gospel reading from the 26th chapter of Matthew. Jesus told his disciples, you know that Passover comes in two days. That's when the Son of Man will be betrayed and handed over for crucifixion. At that very moment, the party of high priests and religious leaders was meeting in the chambers of the chief priest named Caiaphas. Conspiring to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him, they agreed that it should not be done during Passover week. We don't want to riot on our hands, they said. When Jesus was at Bethany, a guest of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him as he was eating dinner and anointed him with a bottle of very expensive perfume. When the disciples saw that what was happening, they were furious. That's criminal. This could have been sold for a lot of the money handed out to the poor. When Jesus realized what was going on, he intervened. Why are you giving this woman a hard time? She had just done something wonderfully significant for me. You will have the poor with you every day for the rest of your lives, but not me. When she poured this perfume on my body, what she really did was anoint me for burial. You can be sure that wherever in the world the message is preached, what she has just done is going to be remembered and admired. That is when one of the 12, the one named Judas Iscariot, went to the high priest and said, what will you give me if I hand him over to you? They settled on 30 silver pieces. He began looking for just the right moment to hand him over. All right, so the last few weeks, we've kind of centered ourselves while we've been in Jerusalem. And it's helpful to kind of stretch this thing out to see like where Jesus enters Jerusalem and how that's going to lead up to uh, Holy Week. But there's a few very pivotal things that are happening in this story and a few things that I think it's important to recap. So a couple weeks ago when we talked about this story, of course, everyone was upset because Jesus enters the temple, starts flipping tables and all the money changers. Why were the people selling things and what were they selling? What was the main item that they were looking to sell in the temple? Any guesses? You, young man. Oh, the animals for sacrifice? Good job, confirmation student. It's always helpful to have a ringer. <sighs> Thank you, Pastor Steve. They're selling the animals for sacrifice. Sacrifice for what? What big holiday was coming? Well, we know it wasn't Christmas. We know it wasn't Easter. It wasn't the 4th of July. It was Passover. Ding, 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 ding. And what is Passover? And why does Passover matter so much? What happened originally in the very first Passover? Any guesses? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it had to do with the first sun dying. So this is when the people, the Israelites, are still living in Egypt. And they're slaves to Pharaoh. And in order to be able to get freed from Pharaoh, they put the blood of a lamb above their door, which is the symbol to get passed over. And of course, those who don't have it, their firstborn son is killed. The Pharaoh's firstborn son is killed. And the Pharaoh says, I don't want anything to do with you people. I don't want anything to do with your God. Get out of here. And so the people, 
remember Passover as the event that helps them get out of slavery to move to the promised land. And so they remember that it's an important day like Christmas is for us for 4th of July. It's like a holiday that they remember. And how do they remember it? By slaughtering a lamb. They remember the Passover. So each family would sacrifice a lamb. And so they're here in Jerusalem. They're gathering their, their family together. They're, they're buying lambs. They're, they're getting ready to have the sacrifice in, Jeru- in Jerusalem. There's a huge crowd that's gathered. There's all sorts of stuff going on. You know, there's, there's competition over getting the best animal. All of this stuff is going on. And you know that there's, there's possibilities of, uh, you know, things could start going uh, in, in a bad direction when people are, are gathered together uh, and not getting along. And, and the leaders of the temple know this. And they know that if something happens, that it's going to look bad on them and their place within society with the Romans. They don't want that. They want to get in front of anything that could possibly be bad. And so when it comes time to see uh, Jesus coming into town, they are not exactly thrilled with the way that people are following him. The people are interested in him. And so last week we talked about him showing up and speaking as if he was one with authority. They didn't like that either. They're like, who gave you this authority? So Jesus asks them a question back. All of these things are leading up to this moment where the are, are trying to say, what are we going to do with this guy? What can we do with Jesus? Because he's going to get the crowds worked up and that's not going to be good for us. Now thinking about, you, you mentioned the sacrificial lamb. This is a really important thing to think about the Israelites in their history. Because the concept of killing an animal for the sake of other people's sins is nothing new. In fact, in the book of Leviticus, there's the idea of how a goat would get sent into the wilderness with the sins of all of the people on its head. Yeah. So Aaron, this is Moses' brother, and Moses is the one who helps, you know, get, you know, let my people go, let's cross, and the waters part, and everyone walks through, and then it crushes down on Pharaoh's army, okay? Moses' brother Aaron is telling people about how you just gather up all of, all of our sins, and Moses puts his head on this, on this goat, and, and they send it out into the wilderness as, as if this is their way of having all of their sins uh, relieved. This is the concept of a scapegoat, okay? It's, it's really a way of saying, we don't want to have any responsibility for this. We're going to push it off to here. Is this goat guilty of doing anything? This poor innocent goat didn't do anything wrong, yet we're, we're banishing the goat off to the wilderness. Uh, have you ever, ever, ever been in a situation where something went bad? Maybe you were working on a group project, right? Or, or something at work. Do you ever have a group project go bad and you're like, well, it's all Will's fault, right? Everyone blamed you. And you're like, no, I didn't do it. We all worked on this together. But you're like, but he didn't do this one particular thing. And because he didn't do it right, we all got to be for it. Or, or think about in sports. What happens at the, I know, Steve, I'm going to make a brief sports reference in a sporting event or at the end of a season, what happened two years ago when the Vikings didn't quite make the playoffs? Who was the scapegoat? The coach, right? The coach is often the scapegoat. In fact, uh, one of the biggest scapegoats that you can imagine is for a team that hadn't won the World Series for 100 years. So the Chicago Cubs 
blamed this guy, Steve Bartman. Now, this guy's trying to catch the ball, and one of the most beloved fans of the Cubs reaches his hand out to try to catch the foul ball. And the entire city of Chicago, I would say the entire world, blamed Steve Bartman. And this fan hold up, holds up a kill that fan sign, right? This is what it means to be a scapegoat. You do not want to be a scapegoat. You don't want the crowds to turn on you. Scapegoats are not willing targets. We don't want to be the scapegoat because we don't want to take the blame for others. We don't want to be the one to, to bear that burden for everybody and to uh, help their feelings. Except for Jesus. Jesus is identified as a threat. Jesus is identified as someone who could possibly cause the crowds to riot or cause a disturbance. And the leaders don't want that. So they start to cook up some plans. They start to figure out how they can get rid of Jesus, how they can make him be the one that's guilty without anybody thinking that they had anything to do with it. Right? They want to be the one to say, like, did the Chicago Cubs lose the game because of Steve Bartman? Did did they lose the World Series because of him? Absolutely not. But what a convenient target to be able to put all of that anger towards. Maybe Jesus could be the scapegoat. So when this Passover crowd is starting to get out of hand, the leaders can wash their hands of this mess. They can say he was the one who was blaspheming. He was the one telling everyone he was God. He was the one who said he had this authority when he didn't have any authority. So these plans are coming together. They're starting to get some headway. If only they could get that target on Jesus' back. If only there would just be one person, one person, maybe even somebody from his inner circle who would just kind of stand up and say, I'll help you with that plan. Ah, If only there was one person who would do that. So anyway, there's this guy named Judas, okay? So Judas is sitting there like hanging out with Jesus, right? And Jesus is telling them all of these great stories and teaching them all about what it's going to be about like within the kingdom. And all of a sudden, all, you know, he's the guy tending to the purse and, and all of their finances. All of a sudden, all of the money gets spent on this nard and ointment and all of this stuff that, that anoints Jesus. And Judas is mad. He's like, all of that money could have been spent on helping the poor, which... He really didn't mean that. He was like, all of that money really could have been spent by me to do better things. Like, maybe we could have built up an army, Jesus. Maybe we could have actually stood up to these Romans. Judas doesn't like where Jesus is taking this Messiah that he was not expecting. Like, he wanted this Messiah to come in and save the day, not to promise that he was about to get killed. So what's Judas going to do? What's Judas going to do when his feelings about a Messiah aren't going to be fulfilled? So when the chief priests are looking for a scapegoat, Judas realizes that this is his chance to lead a lamb to slaughter and maybe even get rewarded in return. The plan's almost too good to be true. Both sides are getting what they want. 
Now all Judas needs is that opportune time to put this plan into motion and he can finally get rid of Jesus and the Pharisees, the leaders of the temple, can have this problem off of their hands, the target off their back, and their scapegoat can bear this for all of them. But we'll have to see what happens next week.